Hi, I'm Gwen. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show. Continuing slash concluding our discussion about the legalities of producing community theater. When we last left you, we thought somebody was drilling or sawing in the background, but now we can tell you... It was neither of those things. Yes, somebody's power washing their deck. Yes. Which I need to do too, but thankfully you can't see that on the radio (laughs) or whatever you're listening to this on. The radio. Well, yeah. (laughs) Anyway. So where did we leave off? Well, I was about to say, uh, since we talked last week about videotaping. Right. I did find a question about that on the Samuel French website, and I was about to read what uh, the response for that was. I'm guessing it's don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Well, okay. Can I videotape my production? Can I make an archival recording of a performance? Can I post short clips of the show on my theater's website? Written permission must be obtained for all recording requests, regardless of the purpose or reason for the proposed recording. Mm -hmm. Requests for video permission must be submitted in writing. Yep. Please be aware that additional fees may apply and that not all titles are available for video audio recordings. Yeah, and I know that uh, rehearsals uh, have the same rules to them, and people sometimes record rehearsal clips and use them in, like, you know, promotional videos and such. Post them on the website. Yep. Didn't say anything, well, fortunately, it didn't say anything about taking photographs of rehearsal mm-hmm. <laughs> from that comment, which is usually been my experience as far as what... Yeah. Yeah, photos are, are quite common. And I mean, I, I know like most theaters before your performance will give you something about don't take flash pictures, but that's less a legality issue and more a don't blind our actors issue. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the taking of flash photography is strictly prohibited. That yep. Yeah. Tends to come up a lot. It's, um, it's, I mean, in, in addition to blinding the actors who are probably already blind from the stage lights, but it's, yeah. it's just distracting to other audience members. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, that's an important part to consider as a courtesy of your fellow patrons. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had that happen. I actually had that happen the last show I directed where somebody was taking flash pictures in the back of the house because the, of their boyfriend in the show. And we pretty much, you know, quietly and kindly asked her, please don't do that. And, and, it's, and it really was, it was the actors that were coming off the stage going, hey, somebody's taking flash pictures. It's, it's distracting is really what yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but not a legality issue. Right, yeah, that's not uh, included in the statement. Yeah. All right, and uh, I think we hit on photocopies earlier. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think it's something we did in an earlier episode. I'm not sure we discussed that last week, but, I, you know, we'll just reiterate that it's something that's very commonly done because... I mean, it's just, particularly when I'm directing, I always code, uh, photocopy a script and I put it into a binder just because it's easier. It gives you a little bit more room to write notes in. Uh, stage directions. Stage directions, that kind of thing. So it's really, you know, I always make sure that there is a purchased copy of that script so I'm not photocopying instead of buying. I'm right, photocopying yeah, in mm. addition to buying. But there are some production houses, I don't think Samuel French does this, I could be wrong, but... There are production houses that will sell you a, a flat, binder-ready really? copy of the script. Yeah, I have never seen that. Seen that. Yeah. Uh, another area where having a photocopy is very helpful would be, well, you mentioned the stage manager, but also mm-hmm. in the booth. Sure. It's really it, impractical it's just, it's for somebody in the booth. It's hard to keep a book open. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Exactly. So it's, it's pretty much impossible to, for... Uh, somebody who's a booth operator to be able to use the yeah, bound copy. Exactly. You need a hand on the script to keep it open. Right. So it's kind of a necessity. But, yeah, I, that, that's interesting. I don't know. I've never heard of 
mm-hmm. them being commercially available. Yeah, yeah, I know I've seen that before. That's, I, I assume is there if there is anything about that on the, on the French website, I'm I'm assuming they just say don't photocopy the script. Well, this just says. Per federal copyright law, no part of the book may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form yeah. without the prior written permission of the publisher. And I think it usually says that in the script itself as well. Most likely. I want to say it actually may have been Samuel French that, that sold those binder-ready copies. Hmm. I don't remember. There, there were, and it wasn't every uh, everything they sold, but there were certain things where you there were uh, two options to buy, and one of them was... I, and I mean, I don't remember what they called it, but I'm just going to call it binder ready. Well, how about if I just pick a script at random? Yeah, sure. All right, I'm going to look up Death Trap since we mentioned that in the last. Oh, Death Trap's not from Samuel French. Never mind. No. <laughs> how about how about Noises Off? Okay. Let's see if there's. Oh my goodness. Okay, maybe. No. <laughs> Is on. anything Samuel French? <laughs> no, they got out of the business. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm stuck in the knowledge base. That's the problem. I'll I'll check it later <laughs> because I don't want to <laughs> lose my place. Well, we can. I think we'll be cutting some of that out. <laughs> the other question on here, can I use the artwork on the cover of the script for my advertisements and programs? Maybe. Yeah, so often there is not artwork. I mean, particularly the French scripts, it's usually their standard cover that just has the name of the play on it. Yeah, anymore. That's yeah. what I usually have seen. Although I think I have seen some prior published copies of scripts that did have some sort of a picture on the front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please see the supplemental materials section of the titles page on our website. Okay, that maybe is where we might find whether bound copies are available. Right. Uh, if we offer logo packs and poster images for the title, it should be there. Oftentimes the ar- artwork used on the cover of our publication, so apparently that happens sometimes, yep. is in the logo pack. If there is not a logo pack on the website, you should create your own artwork. Now here's something that I d- am aware of. Uh, I believe it's uh, MTI, Music Theater International, requires you to use their artwork. Okay. So there are some houses that require you to use their artwork. I remember uh, because I have been doing the Barley Sheaf logos, I created the, a logo for the show, and we had to get special permission to use the logo I designed. Oh. Hmm. Um, because they, they generally require you to, to use their own, but I had already done it, and I'm like, oh, great. Well, that's you know, worth it. I'm not going to get it. And I guess it was the director said, you know what? I, I actually like yours better, so let's see if we can use it. And we contacted them, and they said yes. Wish I could remember what show that was. I think it was an MTI show. All right, so I found Death Trap. Okay. Okay, where am I now? <laughs> you're on my deck. It's okay, Jim. You're safe. Are you sure? No. You might get power washed. <laughs> okay, here we go. I found it. Uh, okay, this only lists an acting edition. Okay. For that particular play. Yeah. But I, honestly, presumably yeah. if there were yeah. some other edition that would be listed as being in stock. I, I would think, yeah. And I honestly, I don't remember which publishing house had that offer, but I do know there was somebody that had a, again, binder ready or whatever you want to call it. Now, they don't version. have any artwork for this, but this is interesting. They actually mm-hmm. do have uh, some sort of a digital sound effects package. That I, I came across that with Accomplice, where they actually had music and sound effects. Uh, which this looks we like were, they actually give you a listing of the tracks. It's, it's all sound effects. Wind we were, and rain, thunder... Telephone ringing, doorbell, rain, wind. Well, with uh, uh, Accomplice, we were required to use their music. We had to. Oh, really? Yeah, we had to, I, I assume, rent. I think it might have even been on cassette tape. I don't even remember if it was oh CD or not. But <laughs> we were required to use their music. Uh, we were not required to use their sound effects. Or maybe there were no sound effects. I don't remember which it was. I know we ended up using our own sound effects. But, yeah, we were required to put the music in there. And it was, I mean, it was decent. Uh, the, the author of 
accomplice whose name I'm forgetting r- right now is also an author of musicals. So, oh, uh, isn't that Rupert Holmes? Yes, Rupert Holmes. So, you know, he knows music, and it was decent music, but, yeah, it was a little weird to be required to have these uh, these intros to scenes and things like that. Fun fact, I don't remember the actual name of the song, but the song that has a chorus, if you like pina coladas, mm-hmm. he wrote that. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's uh, Jimmy Buffett, right? No. No? Who does that? Rupert Holmes. He performed, he he performed it, it as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? I it's must not have, Steely Dan either. I must have known that at some point. <laughs> so, you know, talking about having to rent the music for that, when it comes to musicals, you're also required, obviously, to use the music, and you're required generally to rent the score for that. Correct. Yeah, so... Well, that usually involves getting copies of the libretto, which... Okay, so here's a distinction between... Typical distinction between between plays and musicals. So, musicals have music. Yeah. Well, (laughs) if you uh, for licensing, I mean, or getting copies. So, if you get the acting edition of scripts for a play, typically they're yours to keep. You own them. Mm -hmm. Musical librettos, different story. You're renting them. Yes, you're renting them. Uh, You can only make pencil marks in them, and when you are done with them, you have to erase everything. Which does not always get done. I know that for (laughs) a fact. A lot of times, you'll end up with the rentals, and you have to do more erasures because they're still there. I think also they make the cast put in a security deposit. Yeah, they will do that sometimes. So if you don't do all these things, you don't get your security deposit back at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's that's more trip. that's the theater you're talking about doing that, or you're talking about the production company. The theater in this Cause case. I, yeah, because you're paying for the, the, the rental, so I don't think they charge you a fee that you'd get back on top of that. But, yeah, the theater doing that makes sense. But, all yeah, right. I, I know that they've gotten – rental material in that has still had the pencil marks on there uh i went to serve in a pit band at one point and had to make a bunch of erasures because there was stuff in the, in the written in the music so i think it's kind of more treated as a be kind rewind <laughs> sort of thing from the old days of the uh video cassette rentals well at least if it's just in pencil then they could get some interns or something to yeah erase them when they are returned in theory, they could do that. In practice, they just send it out to the next uh, theater with the pencil marks still in there. Perhaps they do. Yeah. All right, so I found another example of, uh, I went back and searched for Noises Off again, uh-huh. and they do indeed have a what they call a stage manager copy in there stock. There you go. That's what Which is. is a three-ring binder with one-sided eight-and-a-half by 11 pages for the script. Yep. Perfect for directors, designers, and stage managers. Yeah. Only so, 1995. So that's more expensive than, than yeah, the regular like, copy of the script. It's like $10 more than the acting edition. Yeah. But, I mean, in theory, if they've got that, you should be doing that instead of photocopying it yourself. But if they don't have they that, didn't what option do you have? They didn't have it for Death Trap. Yeah, so what other option do you have? It's exactly. I using the script is really not realistic. Well, I suppose if you uh, you know, you, you could use the approach that you said earlier where you still have a one-to-one. Yeah, so you're still I have an acting it, edition yeah. for every photocopy accounted right. for. Right, right. I guess that would be technically the most above-board way to do this. And that's generally what, what I've done when I've had to do that. Okay. Well, that's, that's a... Uh, that's a good tip <laughs> So for avoiding illegalities. Indeed. <laughs> so we're talking about, you know, music for musicals. What about music for non-musicals? So that falls into a couple different categories. So it's not uncommon to have pre-show or intermission music in mm-hmm. most productions, which that's basically just background music that plays when the play when, is not actively is going on, the when the audience is walking yeah. in or when they're sitting in the theater during intermission. Mm-hmm. And that's a distinction from music that's actually kind of front and center within the performance itself. Right. Um, so the uh, it's my understanding, at least, that uh, with an ASCAP license or... Uh, or BMI. BMI. Or I think there's another one. Is it SESAC? 
I believe you probably the third know that one better than I. But if you've got that, then that covers pre-show or intermission music, right? Correct. Yeah, and that would be my understanding from this, having read up on this in the past, is that that is the responsibility of the the venue, right? To have to be licensed to that. with the publishers, but that would technically give them permission to play music uh, in the context of mm-hmm. you know a public event or a ticketed public event i guess in this case right so you're covered there now music within a show uh could be a different story if it's something that's specifically caught out for and you may have seen in some productions or scripts you may have read you may have actually seen where it refers to a specific sure, song yeah there'll be a specific there's thing a in disclaimer. there and there's usually a footnote there one thing i did look up is a distinction between what they call small performance rights and grand performance rights okay and what is that distinction Okay, so small performance rights would be a case where we're talking about pre-show and intermission music. It has okay. nothing directly related to do with the perf- the main performance itself. Mm-hmm. Grand rights are referred to are is a term used to describe dramatic performing rights. So that covers musicals, but even I would think in a non-musical, if you're talking about a song that's prominently featured within the context of the show, okay, that would. Pr- fall in the grand performing rights category i believe mm. and this is like a bmi ascap thing or yeah okay so grand rights are when individual music compositions are used in a dramatic setting when action scenery and dialogue as may be the case in a review it could be considered a dramatic performance and not be covered under a performing rights organization license yeah that doesn't make any sense when nor, I just d- said. nor does it answer my question no it's <laughs> <laughs> where are you getting this information from i just looked up songwriting101.com, which seems like it has something to do with BMI. Okay. So this is uh, BMIs? That's where I just was. Okay. Okay, I got another website. Okay, and what does that one say? All right, so this this talks about grand rights. Mm-hmm. All right, so the licensing... All right. Performance rights organizations are only responsible for licensing the performance of non-dramatic works, a.k.a. small rights. So that's where you deal with pre-show and intermission music Mm -hmm. as long as the venue is covered covered, with the performance rights organizations so that's the small rights that would be for the small rights what are the grand rights the grand rights well if it's a musical that's fairly obvious that's kind of part of the package deal but here's a category for existing or commissioned music that is used in certain extra musical contexts Mm -hmm. okay so this is an example where you need to obtain specific permission it looks like and that's like a on a per song type of thing yeah an example being using recordings of this is an example it gives on this website using recordings of stravinsky excerpts in a play about uh some guy (laughs) (laughs) it's not stravinsky but okay okay excerpts in a play so that's a perfect example okay now so is this something that's explicitly named like if they're saying oh let me play some stravinsky for you and then you put that on that could be an example but now what if because you you know why I'm about to ask this, but what if you're using something as background music? That's a good question. Yeah, it doesn't seem that... I, I don't know if that falls under the small rights, if it would be considered grand rights, gr- excuse me, grand rights, and you'd have to get permission per song. Because I know... So the reason I'm asking this, which Jim knows, but you might not know, uh, when I did both Dracula and Frankenstein, we had background music. So it was done... Uh, it was like a score, yeah, underscore. Yeah, it was almost it was cinematic uh, as kind of what I was going for because with both of those, my, my inspiration was the uh, the original Universal Monster films. Um, so whereas, you know, 
the script was not those films. Uh, I, I wanted some kind of score to give it a more cinematic feel, which I, I certainly think we accomplished, but we never really gave much concern as to whether we had the rights to do that. Well, another example they gave was uh, creating a one-woman show about the life of Judy Garland and singing over the rainbow. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be grand rights. Yes. You'd need that specifically. But this wasn't, you know, it wasn't like we had, what's a Dracula, Dracula's Lament, isn't that the name of a song? Let's just let's just say in we'll, theory that we'll it is. Say that it so is. So we'll say moment. Dracula's Lament is a song, and we were using that in Dracula. That to me would be grand rights. You'd need that. But if you just have something that's in the background, literally under the dialogue in spots, which was instrumental, uh, but wasn't really instrumental to the plot, as right. it were, is that something you need grand rights for? And I mean, we're I guess we're not answering that question. No, we're, it seems we're almost like it's- asking it. Uh, and if you do know the answer, you can email us that answer at podcast at backstage.link. It seems like it would kind of lean more. It's it's kind of in the in-between, but it seems like yeah. it would lean more into the grand category because Possibly. it's part of the show. It is part of the show. Technically. So we may have been in violation of something with that. Well, I probably ran into that myself with another production I directed where I I had a – somebody was listening to the radio, and I put yeah. a pop song I think this happens a lot, and, and I wonder – how often community theaters are actually applying for those grant the, rights. The script didn't specifically call out any particular song. I just yeah. picked one that I thought would be appropriate. But you're still using it. But so I'm it still using yeah. it. And I've done it work. The, the, the first show that we got together with Hotline. There was uh, New York, New York played on the radio. Hmm. And that was specific. She even sang along with it. Uh, Dorothy went and hit it and, you know, it came on with these little town blues. And she sang along with it. Ah. So that was in there. Well, that um, was specifically caught out in the, yeah, the that was Yeah, that definitely without question would have been grant rights. And do you remember that? That there was anything saying about you need to get uh, it probably is in the script. Yeah, I could run inside and grab it, but you know we've got enough. Yeah, <laughs> enough they, they to edit out in this episode. Usually, a script will warn you if. Um, yeah, if you are if required a specific to get separate rights. But generally, when I see that, I'm like, okay, well, that's nice, and I don't do anything <laughs> about it. I mean, I, I, not that, not that it's necessarily not done. I, for all I know, my producers have taken care of that, or the theaters have taken care of it in advance. I honestly don't even know. I know as a director, I've seen that. And not really bothered to look into it any further. Likewise. Yeah, and and I wonder. I don't even I, know. I, I think that's generally what the community theaters in the area do. I don't even know how many of the area community theaters are up on their. Uh, yeah, the ASCAP and BMI. The ASCAP and the yeah. BMI licensing. I, I know Barley Sheaf is. I I know when I was more involved with Forge that they were. I know they they actually would make a big deal about those those licenses. I guess from the being from the director standpoint, I've kind of taken the don't ask, don't tell mindset for it. Yeah, I think a lot of directors do that for a lot of things, and I think the legality issues often come down to don't ask, don't tell, and hope nobody finds out. Right. (laughs) And generally these theaters are still operating. I I know there have been issues. There have been community theaters in the area. I believe it happened uh, with The Barn, where somebody had done a video recording of something and put it on YouTube, and somebody turned them in. And they got into a little bit of trouble with that, and then they were really cracking down on the video recording at that point they were saying right. you cannot do it because it was it was tolerated i guess yeah and i mean i, I think that's remember, generally what how it goes is I it's s- tolerated i should remember didn't you uh <laughs> i don't want to rat you out but no you can go ahead and rat me out so did uh, you uh do some recordings on some actual performance nights yes on a couple I, different nights I, I honestly i have done that on every time i've directed and i like having that in my collection this is something, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, you could look me up and, and arrest me for it or <laughs> sue the theater, but you'd have to actually get a copy of it and prove that I did it, right. other than me saying that I did. But really, this was... Probably statute of limitations by now, anyway. Uh, who knows? But 
I like to have that in my collection for most of them. I have recorded a director commentary to remind myself of stories that occurred during them that I would forget in a few Those years. Those were fun. Yeah, and I mean, that's an enjoyable thing. It's a cast bonding or crew bonding or whoever is there for the recording bonding. I was involved with a couple of those. Yeah. So, and it's something that I go back on every few years and I go like, oh, okay, I, I'm actually not that horrible of a director. Um, and that kind of thing. And it's just interesting to see that. I, I don't do it to try to cheat these production companies out of anything because, and I don't charge for them at all if, if my actors or whatnot want copies of them. I did recently have an actor come to me and say, hey, do you still have a copy of that? I'd like to use it as an audition piece. And I said, no. I, I said, these actually, you cannot use these for that sort of thing. It's, yeah. it's really just for personal viewing. That, and and even that is technically a violation. Didn't you used to put in a disclaimer is this should not be viewed by anyone? I, I yes. I think <laughs> for I said archival like, purposes only. I believe I have said that, but I mean you even read on there that archival, you can't even record it for archival purposes. I think I do say like this. Well, uh, no, by viewing this you have it. agreed that you haven't viewed it. I think I put something like that in there. <laughs> I think it said that you must obtain permission to do that. Well, yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. So you need to obtain permission. So, but, I mean and it's usually an additional fee if you're gonna do that, even if it is archival. Presumably. I mean, so it all comes down to it's not necessarily that all of it's forbidden, but you mm -hmm. technically need to get permission to do these things. Yeah, and, and I don't think most area theaters are getting permission, and I personally don't really have a problem with that. Because you're not, as long as you're not cheating the production company out of any money. Or the playwright. or the, well, I, I mean, and in turn the playwright, because it's the production company that's handling the money and then passing it on to the playwright. So as long as you're not cheating anybody out of anything then I don't personally see the issue with it. Although, arguably, if there is an additional fee for making a, an archival recording, then I suppose you are cheating somebody out of something. Wow. It's yeah, it's really hard to say. I mean, it, there's there's the legality and then there's the, uh, the uh, morality of it. And really, where do you draw the line? Right. I, I really, I, I mean, more so, I know we're always throwing that email address out there, but I really would be interested in some feedback on this. Whether you want to do that on our Facebook page, you can search for the Backstage Show, or shoot us an email at... Uh, Please don't send us any cease and desist orders. Yeah. Uh, sorry, send us an email at uh, podcast at backstage.link. I would be curious what other people's thoughts are on this. And I know my guess is it's going to be all over the spectrum, but... Generally speaking, most theaters seem to tolerate a bending of the rule. <laughs> or if they do, nobody's going to admit it. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we're not about to call anybody out. Please feel free to just email us and say, keep me anonymous. And we may come back and discuss this issue further. Just because it's interesting to me, because personally, I do bend the rules. And morally, I don't feel, I don't really feel bad about what I've done. You've done it too. What, yeah, what's your thought? How do you feel about, about this? I'm kind of... In the same boat, I yeah. would say. I, I mean, but we're, we're now paying that I, for the general rights, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say. Are, are these playwrights hurting for money? Are we really hurting them by not requesting those archival video rights? And I think by not having looked up this information before, I've kind of tried to live blissfully ignorant about it yeah, to some well, degree. But that, that ignorance is, is gone. <sighs> My innocence it, is lost. Yes. <laughs> it might be bliss, but your bliss is over. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've known about it more or less, but I've known I, I about it more from kind of much. hearsay or from people talking about it, as far as yeah. what they believe you're not, what you're allowed and or not allowed to do. I I think I ignore it more than anything else. The the things with the music, I'm like, well, it's for the benefit of the show, and I can argue uh, justify it, I guess that way. Uh, the the videoing, it, it's hard to say. I, I guess my fear with that is, if it is requested, it's going to be 
a fee that we could not possibly afford or they're going to say no you cannot record it period and then if you hear that then it's it, it's that much harder to justify its ignorance of the law yeah which of course <laughs> is no blatantly excuse, disregarding but, you yeah I, yeah that, that's that's the balance are you ignoring it or blatantly disregarding it or are you just not aware of it well, you know, um, I think some people uh, that I've worked with in the past have taken it to heart and have pretty much taken a, like, kind of a no-tolerance stance yeah. on it. Is, no, we're not, we're not doing any recording of any kind mm-hmm. of any of the rehearsals or any of the performances, and that could very well become the theater's policy. Yeah, and I mean, I think at least publicly, at least if you ask them, it has been at least my experience that every theater has said, no, technically you cannot record this. But or if you do it, time, don't let us know about it. Yeah, that's basically what it is. It's kind of uh, they're having that same ignorance thing. Like, no, you can't. If you if you ask them, they're going to tell you no, because that is the official stance. Right. But if you're going to just bring in a camera and record it, even whether it's a performance or a rehearsal or whatever, it's pretty rare for somebody to be there that's going to tell you no. I, I mean, I know it does occur. I, I believe Forge has been cracking down in recent years with that. So their recordings have kind of gone out. But, I mean, I did shows there years ago that were recorded. But again, no. Oh yeah, You're it's the thing. Out. Nobody's selling these. Nobody's making a profit off them. Nobody's making any money off them. They're really just so you can look back years. Well, you said later. somebody was earlier. Not at Forge. Okay, <laughs> I'll say that it was a different theater where where somebody's yeah. Charged. And I mean, it's not like they're charging you know twenty dollars for this. They're charging and they're saying it's expenses, but just unless they're getting ripped off. For their materials. And if you're I hearing this personally. and you value our silence, send us yeah. a small to be named later I'm hoping hush I, money fee. I'm hoping I was vague <laughs> enough that they won't know who, who they are. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess that about covers legality issues. I think so. We want to discuss it further from any feedback we get. And, and like I said, I am very curious what, what anybody else's thoughts are on this. Me too. So, so please, yeah, shoot us an email. Get on our Facebook page. We'll get a discussion going on there or whatever. And hopefully we will not be single-handedly bringing down or get causing the uh, yeah, broad the, shutdown yeah. of if community you do, theater if in you the do area. Contact us. Don't mention any. We don't want to know the show. We don't want to know the theater. We just want to know your thoughts. Yes. Yeah. So that pretty much brings to a close our discussion of legality issues. We kind of have a subset of that coming up where we're going to talk about handling adult content, which it's sort of related, but yeah. it has its own ramifications. Yes, and it's and it's detailed enough that. Uh, that it warrants its own episode. Indeed. Maybe so, more than one. Maybe more than we one. We shall see. We'll see how long we can babble on about it and, <laughs> and make the judgment call at that point. But meantime, uh, I guess that about ties this up. So until next time, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. See you next time. Bye-bye. Are you recording? I am. And let me see if I can find that. We might be cutting out some of the silence here. <laughs> give me time to look it up again that was uh you know music without words (laughs) instrumental we'll be right back after these messages (laughs) please stand by